We are being told to choose between the left and right brain, between studying art and engineering, between creative and analytical thinking. Our society tells us that art and business are not connected. But what if society is wrong? What if it misleading us? The good news is that understanding what art is can bring us to a new revelation. Art does matter in innovation, technology and entrepreneurship. And with the help of this podcast and its guests, you as well will learn that art is not an object. Art is a mindset. You are listening to the Artian Podcast with me, Nir Hindi. Hey podcast listeners, welcome to the Artian Podcast and thank you for joining us. One of our goals in this podcast is actually to reveal, expose and relate the way artists think to the world of business technology and innovation. My name is Nir and I'm the founder of the Artian and today joining me the Spanish process-based artist Laura Fernandez Gibellini. Hey Laura. Hello. Before we start, I want to give kind of a, our listener maybe a brief introduction to who you are. So you have been working and living in uh, between Madrid and uh, New York. You are the faculty member of the MFA in the art practice in the School of Visual Art in New York and at the Complutense University here in Madrid. You exhibited all around the world and some of the exhibitions that you had, including places like the Spanish Academy in Rome and artist in residence in the Banff Center for Art and Creativity in Canada and the ISCP in New York. And the Aldrich Foundation in Connecticut. Laura, before we kind of get into uh, your work, we always know that there are painters and there are sculptors and there are actors, but what does it mean a process-based artist? Um, it means that I don't work with one idea, but with ideas that evolve as I work. So that means that I have a, I, it's not that I have an image that I want to depict, like a picture or something, but more that I'm thinking about certain things. And as I work with materials, the ideas emerge and the work manifests itself. So it means that the process is more important than the product, if that okay. makes sense. It actually makes a lot of sense, especially when it comes to the way the Artian uh, think. So basically for you, painting and sculpture and video art, for that matter, All of them are available for work to depict your ideas. Great. So I want to kind of speak about your artistic interest. And in your artist uh, statement, you say that, and I'm quoting, my work is an attempt to explore the gaps and possibilities of thinking the unthinkable. Now, when I read this sentence, I kind of thought about my presentation or my keynotes that I normally give. And one of the sentences that I use that artists are imagining the unimaginable. What is the unthinkable for you and why, why you want to explore it? So the unthinkable would be that we have not there to think yet. That is something that we don't know. Um, I think art works with ideas, but in a way that they are not totally fixed or set. So we are, in art, we are testing things and we are thinking about things, but there are other things that emerge in the practice that are those that we haven't dared to think before. It's exactly what you say with imagining the unimaginable. Bachelard says that uh, imagination is not that which allows us to create images, but that that transforms images. So in the sense that we already, there are certain things that we think we know. Art works with those things we don't even know we don't know. Okay. And why you want to explore it? Because I'm interested in all of those things that I... 
uh, that are around me that I don't understand and all those things that I might miss. Because I also think that art has the capacity of uncovering that that is uh, in everyday life that we don't pay attention to. So it's something that deals with not every life, but with other things that affect us, but we don't even uh, consider. So I'm very interested in all of those things that I don't even know that affect me, but are affecting me and affecting all of us. So I've always been interested in knowing what's going on around me. So for me, art has always been a way of understanding or trying to understand the world better, uh, which is, of course, a huge question, but that's, that's my interest. <laughs> In a second, I would like to kind of maybe tackle and give an example of maybe some of the things that you discovered in the unthinkable. But before that, I want to focus on some of your recent uh, work, because um, in some of your written, in your recent work, and I'm quoting here again, you reflect upon the possibilities of representing that which has no stable form and is basic for life, like air, water, and time. And you kind of took the necessity of uh, humans like air, like water and time that normally we just take them for granted and they don't have a shape or not necessarily have a form and you want to visualize the invisible. Why? Why you want to visualize those things? Because uh, those things that we cannot see or that those things that, we, that have no image, we can think about. When I say think, I don't mean intellectually only, but just like consider it would be more like we we don't consider those things that we don't see uh, that's why for example when you think about climate change why aren't we all so worried about it or doing much more than we are doing i think it's because the images that we have are not successful so it they don't affect us and they don't move us so those things that we can't see we cannot see and that don't affect us we don't do anything about them so that's why thinking about all those things that are basic and that allow us to be here like air we don't think about it as you said we just take it for granted but we need to think about those things because we have to do something about those things too i mean for example when you think about climate change it's very clear right yeah, in a second, I want to touch mm -hmm. it, the climate change project that you are involved in. But, you know, it's kind of, I remember that when we, we had this uh, event here at the uh, Google campus, and by the way, me and uh, uh, Laura know each other from uh, an event we organize around the visualization of ideas, and it was part of the monthly or bi-monthly events that we organize around those topics. And one of the projects that you did over there was kind of trying to de depict the snow in New York. What is the, maybe the end for depicting the snow the way it falls on the Hudson River in New York? Uh, so that had to do with rendering air visible. I just, sometimes I just start uh, filming without any particular idea or scope. So I started filming the snow falling on the Hudson River. And then I realized that the snow was that which made air visible. So I started drawing uh, the snow falling, and it was a way of uh, dealing with representation of air, but also dealing with representation in the history of art, because I work a lot with drawing. Most or a lot of the times it's sort of big scale, and uh, it's a drawing that becomes more like a space in a way. But I always work with those elements that are basic, 
So drawing functions as lines or dots, you know, colors, uh, those are the basic elements. So I started drawing, uh, making just tiny marks on the paper and then on the walls because it also accounts for time passing. So when you start making marks, you start, you know, notating time, which uh, takes me back again to the process. Like that process of being there making the drawing is also very important because it condenses something that we are also not very, we don't know how to think about, which is time, which is also very important, I think, for us in the world. So from all those experiments and kind of a personal journeys to discover the unthinkable, did you encounter things that, I don't know, surprised you, made you see our world differently or gave you a different perspective to things, help you change your mind? That's a very difficult question to answer. <laughs> Because uh, I do think I've discovered things uh, on the way, but they are not major discoveries like, oh, you know, this is going to change. Because I also think that that's not how art works. Art can make changes. I, I'm absolutely certain about that. But they are always very small things. But those small things, one after the other, account for a big thing. Maybe later on, I, I'm, something might come to my mind, but, but I've been thinking about that since, uh, you know, for a little bit. And I, I don't know, I can't say, oh, you know, now I understand this or I understand that. But it's more like, like I feel more connected or maybe to the world in a way or that I feel like certain things make sense, but I wouldn't know if I could explain what those things are. So it's kind of a personal journey for you to try to understand the world, not necessarily communicating. Well, it is, it is personal. The, the starting point is personal, but I'm not interested in just, you know, navel-gazing. But I think that which is affect us can be communicated to other people. We just have to find the right balance between that which is personal and that which is, uh, you know, public or Political, of course, the personal is the political, but I think that what I'm thinking about are things that interest, that are like universal in a way. So it is personal for me because that's, that's you know, the driving force is I want to understand certain things, but I want to understand in order to show or not show, but more share what I might find. But what I might find might not be exactly what you find when you encounter my work, which is also what makes art big. And important, right? It's not always, it's not that I'm saying something that is a truth or communicating a truth. I'm just putting things out there and different people connect to different parts of the, those things that are put out there. Um, so that's why I think art is also really important because in those connections that are always individual, but, you know, you can change a little something or maybe see things in a little different way and things and the world might become, I don't know, maybe a better place. It's interesting, you know, because you, one time we spoke and you spoke about art as a way to change perspective and kind of what is the role of art. What are your thoughts on that? I mean... Well, I think, so for me, the more moving experiences I have had, well, beyond having a baby, <laughs> which is, falls in a different realm, but the most important experiences I have had had to do with art like those things that have impacted me in a way that would make me want to do something about things have had to do with art. 
So I think art has that capacity of, you know, like um, hitting you somewhere. Uh, you know, aesthetics is has to do precisely with the impacts of the body. Like the body is affected by what we see in the world or what what we experience in the world. Art is a very particular experience. Uh, it's very sophisticated, I think, when it's good art and very refined. And the impacts that art might have on you or that has had on me had helped me be more aware of myself, of the world, of certain things. When we become more aware, I think we become more human and we become more interesting and important and the world becomes a better place. And I, so I do believe that that's what art can do. So I think the changes in society have had to do with art always. Great. Yeah, I also a big believer on, on art and obviously what we do at the Artian is why we think art is so uh, important. I remember that also we talked and you kind of, I don't know if surprised me, but it's kind of how you spoke about art as a physical thing, but not necessarily a spiritual thing. I mean, you spoke about obviously the spiritual dimension, but you also talked about the physical dimension of art. What is the physical dimension of art? How you see it kind of formulate? Art is, I think, well, art can be defined in many ways. One of the things is that art could be considered as a form of knowledge that emerge, emerges Uh, when you're working with the material as an artist. So in the process of working with the material, certain things happen and you have to be aware of what's going on. So you have a little bit of a conversation there with those things. And then that stuff that you put out there relates, it's out there in the world and in the unfolding of life and the world. And people can relate to it with their lives and their bodies And the impacts that we receive, either visually or, you know, uh, when we listen to things or even if we can touch or if we experience things, are, have to do with our senses. And our senses are connected to our body. So it's always physical. Uh, and that's really important because we tend to think that, oh, things just happen in our head and in our mind. But that's not true. I mean, we don't have a just like a thinking head that is detached from our body we think and we feel with the body so that's why it's very important to consider all of that, that aspect that art is not just an idea but it's something that has to have a physical so i'm not sure i i'm i'm familiar a lot with the work that you mentioned the body cognition group and this is the group with the scientist or this is a different one so this is a we So I belong to two uh, research groups uh, in Complutense. One is we deal with more with climate change. We talk about it in a second. Right. I want to talk and about uh, the body cognition group. Right. So the embodied cognition group is a group where we are thinking about all the ways we think with our body. So it, it's a very, actually, it's quite, there's a lot going on about embodied cognition lately because uh, it has to do with You know, the very famous thing that I, uh, I think, therefore I am. It's like, well, it's not just that, because we don't think, we don't have thoughts that are detached from our bodies. Now we know from research and um, that the body um, that we sense and we feel and we think with our full body. So in this research group, the different people, uh, it's, it's a small group, 
uh, we are all women, which is quite interesting. Very, very yeah. good. <laughs> it's very good. Uh, so some people are working with, for example, movement, how movement, as we said before, like art changes perspective. In order to change perspective, you have to move. I mean, if you're static and you're looking at things in one, you know, from one perspective, you won't change your, your point of view. So some people are working with movement. That means uh, some are more sort of, let's say, dance-related, but not necessarily just dance, but, you know, what happens when, when you move and you start feeling differently. Other people are working more with um, how to communicate knowledge. Other people are, like, I, I am working with the specific knowledge that emerges in a, the artistic practice, which I think is really important. We all know that art produces knowledge, but we don't know how to, to talk about that. So I'm trying to do some research on that. Uh, other people are working with technology, like virtual reality and all these devices that allows us to have other experiences that go beyond our senses in the regular sense. Sorry to repeat the word. Um, so like uh, 3D cameras and, you know, immersive reality. So it has to do with different approaches to what how the body enters the scene and how we think with our body. So this is one kind of a body cognition uh, group, one group that you are part of. And, you know, often I've been asked, okay, but, you know, artists, how they can uh, influence our world and beside the, the spiritual uh, aspect, obviously, in my world, in the business world, people kind of ask me, okay, where art is, is relevant, and I can elaborate on that uh, a lot, a lot, and later in a different podcast, I will touch some of those ideas. But one of the topics that kind of I thought is interesting is the example that we discussed about how artists work with scientists. So we hear a lot about climate crisis. I heard that even the change has turned from climate change to climate crisis. And we know that we are hurting the planet, and, and obviously there are a lot of voices against what we do, but still... People don't do anything about it. You just joined kind of a group of researchers with the scientists to kind of think together how you can make the crisis climate or the climate crisis actually more personal to people, to make it, to touch them with that. What is this exactly, this research group, and how do you find it working with scientists? It's a very interesting thing that is happening, which is that we feel like climate change or climate crisis uh, is part of the future. So it's something that uh, is in our horizon and we never get to the horizon, so it's never going to happen. Why is this? I think it's because we have not been effective enough to communicate, you know, the crisis, because also the images we have created does, don't affect us. When I say images, like a lot of science works a lot with, you know, like charts and data We've talked about this before. Uh, how can you make that a little bit more appealing so people can be affected by that in a way that, that doesn't make them lose interest? Because that's the other thing. We have either apocalyptic images of the future. So people, so what are our chances, right? If, if the world is going to explode, well, we, let's just forget about it. Let's just enjoy while we can, right? Mm. There's, there's our yeah. reaction and the other reaction that we don't understand all these charts, so we don't uh, connect to that. But I think a lot of scientists are actually trying to also be affected 
and also feel and sense with their bodies, not just with those charts and, and you know, and data, collecting yeah, data. It goes exactly to the role, I think, of art, of making feeling, of uh, make you feel something. And, and it's kind of interesting, the things that you do, the body cognition, that art is physical, the things that are, and that you are trying to discover, the unthinkable, all of this kind of form in this group, so... Yeah, yeah, everything. I'm always doing the same thing, <laughs> thinking about the same things in different ways. But yeah, and the other thing that is also very interesting is that um, I think science, well, science and art uh, used to be together. And then at a certain point, you know, knowledge, whatever, uh, like in, I think it was, well, probably before the 19th century, but there's this this separation, uh, separation of the two cultures right which is absurd right we actually uh, as you know exactly against the separation but actually merging disciplines not right. separate right because it's just different ways of thinking about the same things we are all humans and we share mostly the same concerns and the way we think about those things are might be a little bit different but we can help each other right i mean if we just said before like a uh, change of perspective implies a real change then if we two people that work in different disciplines work together they might be affected by each other and then produce something creative collision new. exactly so how right. is it to work with scientists well in some cases it's uh, it's really uh, inspiring and in some cases sometimes it's frustrating because a lot of the times or um, Well, I guess it depends. I should say some scientists or some parts of the science are trying to prove something they want to prove. So they are just very fixated with that. And it's, that's very, it's opposed to the way art works in my understanding, which is you don't really know what you're doing. You are just doing stuff and things happen, start to happen. And then you have to be attentive to that, which is happening so that you can collect you know, the stuff and present it out there. So uh, sometimes it's just a little bit of a lost in translation kind of thing. Okay. So, you know, it's interesting. I want to go back to that point that you mentioned that sometimes you just collect things and kind of, you know, you don't exactly know what you are doing, but you are on the way. And this is, in a way, the way you work. And I'm interested why you work that way, why you don't decide on an idea and just do it, but rather kind of collecting things. Because I... Well, I've been giving a little bit of thought to this question. And there is a um, uh, psychologist that I, is very interesting. He's called Adam Phillips. And he talks about attention. And he says there's two kinds of attention. There is one that, which is the attention we pay when we know what we are doing. Let's say, I, I don't know, we want to finish a crossword. And we have to find that word, right? Like the word that is missing. So we are very focused, paying attention, thinking about that specific thing. Uh, so that's one form of attention. But there's another form of attention, which is that we pay when we don't really know what we are looking for. We know we are, you know, we know we have something we are interested in, but we don't exactly know. So we are paying a, like a more scattered Uh, way form of attention so we are just looking at different things and all of a sudden things start to fall in place and we get to something but we get to something that we couldn't anticipate so I'm interested in that I'm not interested in having an idea and just deploying that idea because then the end result I already know so why bother 
So I'm more interested, as, as we said before, in that process where, you know, you know you're interested in something, but you cannot quite tell what it is. So you start looking around. Exploring. Exactly. And it's interesting because, you know, I'm coming, you know, as a, from the business world. And, you know, it's in the business world. Often I see kind of companies that they want to innovate and they plan to innovate and they kind of knowing where they are going. And, and it's kind of uh, remind me uh, one of uh, um, Steve Jobs' uh, comments in his uh, Stanford uh, commencement uh, in June 2005. You cannot connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. So you have to trust the dots will somehow connect in your future. You have a trust in something, your God, destiny, life, karma, whatever. And when I do a lot of mentoring also to uh, startups, I kind of try to transmit them that sometimes we don't know where we are going and we need to be able to deal with uncertainty and ambiguity. And instead of just deciding what will happen, that's not innovation. It's just following a plan that someone already did. It's kind of, you know, uh, brings me back to another aspect of the, the world of art because uh, that's why I think the connection between art and innovation is very, very um, close connection. What, what you need, the, the way of thinking in innovation is very similar to the way artists uh, think. And it's kind of bring me to another thing that we spoke about, which is questioning. And, you know, uh, Chekhov said that the role of artists is, not to, ask is to ask questions, sorry, not to answer them. And we spoke about it, and I'm also interested to hear your perspective about what art and questionings have, have in common. Right. Well, all, all you said is really interesting because I think that curiosity is also a super important driving force, and we have to dare to be curious and to remain curious in order to discover those things that, that might be, you know, innovation in the sense of something that we you know, that we haven't thought about before. So, so I think it's very interesting, that connection that you make there. Going uh, to your question about art, being able to ask questions, I think um, we have too many answers. But in the process of having all those many answers, we forget what the question is, what the questions are. So I do think uh, I agree that art is uh, able to ask or re-ask those questions that have been buried by so many answers. It could be very, very, very simple questions. But, you know, in life, I think, as life goes on, we just get very confused about, you know, everything. In terms of, you know, everyday life, we almost have no time to stop and think. And when I say think, it's not, I don't mean intellectually, but just to be in the world, to be in the present, right? That's also very, the possibilities of art, of making something present, uh, making those questions present again is um, is really important because we we forget we forget we just get you know trapped in our you know going from one thing to the other you know solving tasks and at the end of the day it's like what 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 is it we are doing? Yeah, I mean before one of the listeners think it's a new age uh, podcast, yeah. um, let me bring it, let me tell them that you know I think that. When you read the research, you see that actually questioning is one of the important uh, skills for innovative people, the ability to actually challenge the status quo and push boundaries. And most of the, the most successful companies and in the world actually started by just asking, why not? Why we cannot do that? Uh, while all the industry tried to kind of push them to think in a certain way. So, you know, another kind of a thing uh, I think is very relevant also the ability of art is obviously the ability also to visualize our world and some of the things that you are dealing with is air and time, etc. Today we are living in kind of a um, 
of a world that you know, the, the business world is very, very uh, obsessed with data. And you hear the word big data and data science and data analysis and data visualization, but I feel that we aggregate these massive amounts of data without necessarily doing something with it. Companies are so obsessed with collecting it that in a way they forget to do something with it. And one way to do it is actually visualize it uh, to people. Because your work deals with so intangible things like air, like time, like um, space, etc., I'm interested, maybe you can teach us something and share with us how you approach your visualization ideas when you need to visualize the light in Rome, mm -hmm. for example. Yeah, that's a very good question. So I always work with, uh, for example, with, with the light in Rome. I start thinking about what makes light, what defines light. What are the attributes or what the, defines light? Right. <laughs> so I think so. Light, light is um, it's ra radial. So from a source of light, like let's take the sun, the rays of light um, travel in a radial way and in straight lines. So that's that's you. You already have how how can you visualize light? just with straight lines uh, in a radial way. So with that in mind, I start testing and, you know, working to see how can I make light emerge? How can I visualize uh, light through the marks making of, uh, belong that belong to drawing? So I'm always, I'm always uh, in the, very much in the tradition of drawing and what drawing is and what drawing means. Uh, which is a way of seeing the world, but it's also a way of marking. So in the specifically about in the Rome project, all of my drawings are constituted by lines that start from a from point and, and expand. Yeah, by the way, for the listeners that haven't has seen the work of uh, Laura, we will put it on our website. Normally, it's a large-scale uh, painting. She works a lot with pencil. It's very, very time-consuming, I would say. So you will get the chance to see it. But more importantly, hopefully soon, you will get the chance to kind of even experience it in real life. But I want to go back to you work with this, how you started to visualize light. And you mentioned the fact that you take the basics of light and then the basics of art and combine between the two. Exactly. And then I just start, you know, testing. The other thing that, um, that I thought about, which is not my thought, it's just obvious, is that we see because there's light. So the interruptions of light, when life is interrupted, we don't see. So I work with the notion of interruption too. So the lines, the lines would interrupt and create an image. It's hard to explain if you don't see it, but I think if you see the image, you can understand what I'm saying. So basically what I try to do is to take things to the minimum, like let, get rid of all the stuff that is uh, interfering and get to the bones of the problem or the question I'm thinking about. Like, okay, light, how does it transmit? How is it possible that we see? Then go to those three aspects and then worry with that. It's interesting because, you know, now you are talking and I'm kind of reflecting again on things that I, I think about. When you look at the way Apple designers work is actually is by all the time taking the unnecessary things and just reducing it to the essence of the product. While all the companies still trying to add more and more features, 
Apple trying to take more and more features just to get to the essence in order to make it a great product. How do you see like your approach maybe or kind of if I go with the same line of thinking about how you started with the lights, what are some of the things people might be able to think about from your side when it comes to their role to visualize data? Well, I think uh, I would say that the more specific you can be, the better. I mean, data is just data, whatever, data. But some of that data might relate to people. Other data might relate to, I don't know, performance in, you know, on the internet, whatever. Uh, so I think it, it would be the same thing. Like, okay, if this data relates to how people behave doing searches on the internet, what's the specific you know, thing that defines that particular data. And then then maybe you might discover something. You know, you might discover that, um, I don't know, I'm just making this up, that that it has to do more with, you know, people being in a particular mood or, you know, so then you have elements that you can work with that relate to something that is that goes beyond data. Yeah, I'm not sure. Interesting. No, 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 no. Very, very, very interesting, you know, because now I'm, I'm kind of, you know, again, all the time your conversation with you, I'm reflecting. And so one of the things that, uh, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, and there is even a TED talk by a data artist about it, when is the, the highest peak of Facebook uh, user or something like this? And they, they found it in December or January. And what they realized is that people break up in the New Year's resolution of relationship. And it goes back that, yes, we have the data, but as you said, it's related to a mood, it relates to emotions, it relates to something that translates into a number. And, you know, you teach kind of, a, you teach students, and one of the roles, as we said about art, is to ask questions. And I'm interested how you push your students to go out of their comfort zone. Uh, <laughs> it's hard because they resist. So, well, what I see my role is, is to push them exactly out of their comfort zone, but to force them to look at things differently, because that's also another another way of being able to produce something different, right? Or to do something different. It's when you change uh, your your perspective. So something that I've been discovering this, uh, well, it's it's been a while, but lately I'm more focused on this. It's that, like I, I teach drawing, and people want to make forms, and this might relate to the data you were just discussing. People wanted to draw shapes and forms, forgetting that the forms and shapes are the result of something, of a structure. So I tell them, you have to draw the structure, or you have to have your, the structure in your mind. You can't just go ahead and just draw the, you know, the figure. We work a lot with the, with the human body. Uh, you can't just go, uh, you know, and do the profile of something. You have to know what's inside that thing. So I, that's one way of pushing them because it's really, it's really we are not used to trying to think about form as emerging from the inside and going outside. The forms we see are the result of something that is like inside that. Yeah, it's that. like, you know, you talk about form and, and coming from the inside. It's like I always say that there are no creative companies don't exist. I always say there are creative individuals that create those. So you need to look into the organization, what people doing in the organization to make it such a creative or unique 
a place. So one way that you do is kind of tell them, don't look at the form, look at the, the structure, at the essence, and start working from the outside, from the inside to the outside. Right. And another, another, another uh, thing that is also very interesting that relates specifically to drawing is when you force people to draw with the hand that is not their, their strong, their hand. strong yeah. hand, very interesting things happen. And they discover how their head is interfering in what they want to do. So when you work with the hand that is the weakest, you are more free. You are more, the drawings become much more interesting, much more alive. There is, a, they, 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 there's something else that is happening. So it shows them that overthinking or when we think with just with the intellective mind, we might be blocking a lot of things. Other options. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of, um, it's, it's reminded me what, what we did in our talk. For the listeners, you will be able to see the, the talk that Laura gave um, on our, way, our website. And one of the things that we did, we gave our participant exercises. And what you wanted them to do is to feel data in a way. And one of the things that we asked them to do is to draw something on the back of someone else and the someone that they draw on his or her back needed to say to draw what they felt the other person drew why you chose to give them this this exercise or because uh so so i think also art works with translation so we translate things that we see see feel hear whatever think into a form that is material so we are always performing some sort of uh, task that has to do with translating. So the thing is, when you put emotion, like for example, like um, other senses, like feeling, and feeling something, uh, you know, that is happening in your back. First of all, the back is not very enervated, so we don't understand much, you know, very precisely what's going on. So when we have to translate that, we. It's, it's like that form of attention that I mentioned before. We don't really know exactly what it is we are doing, but we know we are doing something. So we are focused, but also open. And it's very interesting to compare both drawings because the person that is drawing on someone's back, he or she knows what he's drawing. And they have a very definite image, like very, you know, conform and whatever. And the other person again, has, has an Im creates an image that is much more open, much more interesting most of the times, right? If you remember when we saw the results, we would yeah, all agree. Yeah, very different between yeah. what, what was painted to what the other person that felt actually right. painted. Right, so, so all of that, what shows us is that we, we are capable of more than we think, that we don't have to just conform to predefined images again or... or that we have the, the capacity of, of altering and creating other images. And when I say images, I mean things and, and thoughts and everything. So when we allow to feel, we, can, we have bigger options, as you say, or more options. Yeah. It's, yeah, it was very interesting activity. I think we even took some photos, so maybe we can post them also on the, on the web uh, of the, with the, together with the postcard to kind of uh, show it. Great, Laura. I mean, we are getting into the end of our uh, podcast. And you know what? Beautiful, I think, at least for me personally, and uh, people ask me, why are you taking the time all the time to meet artists? It's exactly those kind of conversations that allow me to look my world in a different uh, perspective. 
I think what everyone needs to remember is that at the end, not only the interesting things, also the innovation in the world of business come from intersections of disciplines of, and having kind of this meaningful exchange between uh, disciplines. So before we close our uh, podcast, you, you want to say something else to our listeners? No, I think I might have covered most of what, what I have in mind. It's, all, it's a pleasure. It's been a pleasure to have this conversation with you because also for me, the business world is kind of alien. I think we talk about this. So, so I, I think it's, um, it's really beautiful to try to find those uh, connections because that's also where, where innovation in the sense of you know, new things uh, can, can happen, uh, not just because of the novelty, but because it might allow us to create something you know, a better world or something that is better. So it's been very, very exciting for me, like not knowing, knowing nothing about business and, but seeing how those two things can merge. Great. So with this optimistic uh, message to create a better place for us, um, we'll finish uh, the podcast. If you would like to see the work of uh, Laura, to see the, some of the videos and, and the research uh, that she mentioned, everything will be posted on our page. So stay tuned. Thank you very much. Thank you, Laura. Thank you. We are producing our podcast without any ads, and we are relying on our community's direct support. People like you, our listeners. So if you find it valuable, I will be super grateful if you could spread the word by leaving a rating and maybe a review. It will take you just 30 seconds to do so, and it is very helpful in getting these ideas to a wider audience. If you are interested to develop your artistic mindset, if you are looking to grow your business, if you want to develop the innovation competencies in your organizations, I will highly recommend you to check our workshops and trainings, all available on our website. This episode was recorded from Google for Startups Creator Studio in Madrid. Check out Google for Startups website to learn more about their support for entrepreneurs. The episode was mixed and mastered by Daniel Duran. You can subscribe to the Artian Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Our previous shows are available on our website, www.theartian.com podcast. Each episode includes show notes, guest recommendations, videos, and other materials. We can also be found on our LinkedIn page, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And you can reach us directly via email at podcast at theartian.com. So I will be waiting here for you in the next episode with me, Nir Hindi. Once again, thanks for listening.